Welcome to the Grove Church Podcast and thegrovekc.com. Our mission as a church is to encourage people to discover true treasure in Jesus Christ. We hope you find today's teaching helpful and encouraging. Thanks for joining us. Wow, it is really good to be here with you guys. Um, We're going to uh, look at a passage of scripture this morning that's probably familiar to most of us. Um, As we do, i just like to voice a a quick voice of of, a word of prayer, just asking God to guide us as we look to his word. Father, we do come before you, and Father, we, we need to hear from you, and your word is alive and active. And Father, we ask that this morning you would speak to our hearts through your word, Um, And Father, I pray that your spirit would be free to do everything that you need to and desire to do in the lives of the people who are here. And so, Father, we just ask that you would be present with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to look at a passage of scripture out of Luke 10. Um, It's a familiar story. Um, We're going to start in verse 25, and we're going to go to verse 37. It says, on one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this and you'll live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Hmm. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, he came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds, he pouring, pouring in oil on wine. Then, then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these two do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? Well, the expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus said, well, go and do likewise. Hmm. Familiar story, isn't it? It's a challenging story. It's a quite interesting story. We're going to break it down just a little bit. But, you know, Diane and I really love being here with you guys. Um, the Grove is kind of like one of our children. Uh, you know, uh, you may go and do all kinds of things, but you're never far from our hearts, you know, we love to be with you. We love to, to be a part of what's going on. And, uh, but one of the things that I am most proud of with the Grove is the way that you guys have brought Love Gladstone to life. I think that is a beautiful, beautiful expression uh, of love and things that a church c- 
could be, should be, ought to be doing in a neighborhood, in a community. Never underestimate the power and the significance of genuine love that you have demonstrated to the people who are around you. Love makes a difference. Love can change the world. Jesus calls us to live lives of love and sacrifice, doesn't he? He says, it is through your love that the world around you will know him and they will know that you are his followers and they will see him. That's what it says in John 15, 35. Now, what we say we believe, it should really always show up in the way we live our lives, shouldn't it? I mean, that's one of the challenges that I had growing up in coming to faith. I grew up as a Baptist and for a while I, I saw a whole bunch of stuff happening in churches and it, and it kind of bothered me and and I left for a while, and it was like, you know, if we say we believe this, we ought to, it ought to make a difference in the way we live, or it's really not of any value at all. You know, I've discovered that, that when we allow our faith to show up through our lives, it becomes the greatest expression of Christ's presence in our world, and it also becomes some of the most significant experiences of our own lives. I mean, it doesn't, it's not only that it changes the world, it changes me when I let Christ work through my life. Well, the story goes, one day, an expert of the law, he came to Jesus with this question. Now, this is a person of religious truth. He has religious ways about him. He's got a lot of, of religious understanding. Um, he's an expert in the law. And this is the kind of person who might consider himself mature in faith, shall we say. He knows what it is to live a religious, devout life. And he comes with a question. Um, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, questions are important. Questions are very revealing. Um, and... Questions reveal kind of where we're at in life. Um, this teacher of religious life, he asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus points him straight back to Scripture. Jesus, he knew the answer. He was, he is the logos. He knows the word. He is the essence of the word. But he relied on the written Scripture as the authority of his answer, and he pointed the man back to it. And Jesus says, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And the man responded with a simple but profound answer. It was the right answer, but it was a very revealing response. The man replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, as a teacher of the law, he drew from two very important and foundational teachings from Scripture about God and our relationship with Him and how we get along with other people. It's the great commandment was the first one. The Shema, as it was known in the Hebrew culture. It was the first and most basic lesson that they were to understand about God. This was what they taught their children uh, from the beginning of their lives, they would teach it to them all through their day. They woke up to this Shema. They went to bed with the Shema. It comes from Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. That's the Shema. Now the next part of the man's answer came from the book of the law, out of Leviticus. Um, It describes the most basic nature of how we are to relate to other people. It's from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. It says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. It's the basis of what we call the golden rule. The godly guide to living out our faith. If God is who we say we know him to be, how could we not live a life of love to him and to others? Really? The man knew the law. He knew how to answer the question. But did he really know how to live the answer out? That's another question. God calls us to love others in the same way that we love Him. And the way that we love Him will be demonstrated in the way we love other people. The two cannot be separated to be a holistic person. The word love in both of these passages is actually the same word in the Hebrew. Um, If you were to go back to the Hebrew Scriptures... Um, it's, it's a word, ahaba, ahab. It means to have a strong affection based on a close relationship or to have a preferential desire over and above another person or thing. That's what it is to love from that word. Um, to, and it says to love the Lord your God. I wonder if this religious teacher actually, actually knows the Lord that he's called to love, or does he know merely about him? You know, there's a lot of people today that know about God, and they say they follow God or they have some relationship with God, but it's really up in their head. They know about him. They know him, you know, like they've read a book about him or they saw a movie about him or they've had some conversation about him or they've listened to some radio broadcast about him or something. They know him. So it's like I know a little bit of science, or I know a little bit of math. I know, I know something about business. I know something. I know God. You can know him intellectually without really knowing him relationally. Those are two entirely different ways of knowing him. Between knowing him intellectually and knowing him relationally, you can love him with your head. I mean, you've ran all the reasonings, all the apologetics. It makes sense to love him in your head, but not really have to love him in your heart. It is really difficult to truly love someone that you don't know, isn't it? Um, does, Does he know and love him experientially by his nature? That God is true and good? That he is loving and just? That he is holy and merciful? And does he know enough about God to know that all six of those words that I just used to describe him should actually never be used in the same sentence because they are so diametrically opposed in the very nature of what those words are? mean that he is holy and merciful are two dramatically radically different aspects of who he is do we know that experientially do we know who he is 
the holiness and the magnitude and the magnificence of who he is and also the, the lovingness, the kindness, the patience of who he is. Hmm. He is capable of doing anything and he is able of, to do anything that he desires. He is the one and he is also the one who is near everyone. How are you and I at growing to know and loving God based upon experiencing his attributes? Do I know him that way? Many people today know God because they want him to love him themselves and accept them and to let them be them and be okay with that. But God is so much more than that. Do we know him? And have we experienced him? Are we experiencing him in those ways? It says that we are to love him with all of our hearts. That is our passions, our desires, our loves, our drives. We love him in our past by telling the stories of all the things that he's done in our lives and through the lives of other people who have, who've loved him. We tell us it's a way for us to love him in our past. We are able to love him in our present by trusting him and obeying his commands and doing the things that he calls us to do is an example, an expression of love to him. And we love him in our longings and the dreams of our futures. We love him out of the center of who he is and who we are. And he is at the center of all of our relationships. It's to love him with all of our hearts. Do you love the Lord with all of your passions, all of your desires, all of your loves, all of your dreams? Are they wrapped up and covered by him? That's what it is to love him with all of your heart. And we're to love him with all of our soul. Our soul is the fullness and the completeness of who we are. It is all of you. And it is all of what makes you, you. It's your personality. It's your emotions. It's your physical nature. Your soul drives your desire for food and friends. It drives your need for rest and sex. It is what moves you to sing and worship and to honor God in his presence and in your living. Loving him with all of your soul is a, it's a deep love that goes to the essence of who I am. And it is the full expression of me loving him. It is your soul that is moved by the beauty of a sunrise or the coolness of a morning breeze and it, it satisfies your soul. It is what it, it's, it's the kind of love that, that we experience in those kinds of moments. Do you love the Lord fully and completely and deeply with all of who and what you are? We're to love the Lord with all of our strength. Our strength is our, our ability to acquire or to ac accomplish something. It is, it is what you have and it is what you are building yourself to become. That is your strength. Our strength is demonstrated in our motives and in our influence. It is what we are willing to work for. It is what we're willing to put effort to. Our strength is evidenced in the outcome of our lives. Someone may have a strength in music 
or speaking or in his or her ability to run a business. Someone's strength might lie in their art or in their ability to raise children. Someone's strength might be in their ability to lead others or to follow others, and both are a strength. Our strength is what we busy ourselves with. It is what occupies the bulk of our attention. Do you love the Lord, your God, with all of your strength? Does the outcomes of your strength give evidence to your love for the Lord? We're to love him with all of our minds. It's our ability to think, to understand, to set plans, and to determine our steps. Our minds are creative and strategic, and they help us think ahead. Or it is in our minds that we also allow boredom to settle in. Our minds remember our pasts in the ways that we would like to build our memories. We have selective memories, you know. And we hold on to the things that we want to hold on to because it affirms who we want us to be. Our minds, it's in our minds that our attitudes are formed. We allow thoughts and ideas to enter into our mind that will shape who we will become. Our minds tell us who we are and they help us fashion an image of ourselves that we would like to project to the rest of the world so that other people see us the way we want them to see us. It starts in our minds. It's in our minds that we make choices that determine what we will do in a moment's notice or over the long haul. Do you, do you and I, do we love the Lord our God with all of our minds? If there was an x-ray of your mind that could be done, would it reveal a mind that is full of God? Well, the second commandment is to love our neighbors ourselves. To care deeply and sacrificially for others is, is at the very heart of who God is and what he does. God knows that that the best picture of him in our world is lived out in the lives of his children who are walking and living and demonstrating his presence in our world today. We love our neighbors when we meet them at the point of their need. Now, we have family that we love. We have friends that we love. We, we have people that we're in a close relationship with, and these we know we are to love. Sometimes they're not always easy to love, but we know that we, we need to, we must, we can, we should, and so we do. But let's just be honest. Our neighbors can be another thing. Now, I've got some really good neighbors, and I love my neighbors. But you know what I mean. There are people that we have a distant relationship with, or no particular relationship with. We pass by throughout our days. We see them. We've seen them before. We know them. We acknowledge that they exist in the world. But we're not really close with them. Do we love them? Wow. Um, these are the people that, that God is calling us to love the same way that we love anyone else or even that we love 
him. It's all the same. There's not categories and degrees of this stuff. It's all. He wants the fullness of his love to come out through the fullness of your life and all of who you are so that all of who he is can be demonstrated to all of the world around you. Wherever you go, whenever you're there, in all the places and ways and times. You know, love is, is love when it's acknowledged as love by the recipient. <laughs> Isn't it? I mean, it's one thing to say, you know, I'm really loving this person. But if that person doesn't feel loved, well, you're fooling nobody but yourself. <laughs> love is love when it's acknowledged by the recipient. The expert of the law acknowledged that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus knew the law. He is the Logos, as I said. But he knows every word of God's law. And when the expert of the law recited the command of Jesus, Jesus replied, you've answered correctly. But the teacher of the law, he wanted to justify himself. Now, I'm sure none of us in this room have ever tried to justify ourselves about something. But this guy was, okay? He wanted to prove something to himself, to Jesus, and to everybody else around him that he knew what he was talking about. That he really was a good, faithful person who loved God. And so he asks a really interesting question. Who is my neighbor? I mean, what are the boundaries of those who I am to love? Help me know, who am I to extend this love that I express God to, and, and who am I not, do I not have to express this kind of love to? There are limits to what I can do, you know. I mean, I, I can't do everything, so, so how far am I supposed to go when it comes to loving others? There are some neighbors I like and some I don't. Besides, I have duties, I have responsibilities, I have limitations, I have my work, I have my family, I have my own health, I have all this stuff going on in my life. I've got boundaries on all that stuff. Where are the limits to my love? I mean, this is the day when we really value boundaries, aren't, don't we? So, there should be a boundary here. Where is it? Hmm. Jesus tells him a story to explain and to expose the nature of the man's question. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. We're familiar with it. A man is hurt. He's taken advantage of. He's left to die. He's unable to care for himself. We don't know any of the background of this man's life or why he was there, what was going on. We don't know any of that, and it didn't seem to be really all that important to Jesus. Okay? All we know is that there was a man here and he was in a bad way and he needed some help. That's all we know, really. And a priest and a Levite, both religious men, they come by and they look at him and they saw him and in their minds, they, they made a choice to avoid the situation. Um, to let someone else take care of this. Someone else can meet this person's need. They said to themselves, I'm too busy. I've got other things to do. Let someone else with more time on their hands take care of this if he survives, okay? And so they decided he, that 
this would keep them actually from worshiping. Um, that, that going to this man and caring for him would not be an act of worship for them, but it would actually it would defile them. It would, it would keep their souls from worshiping. To them, this act of service and compassion was not an act of worship, but an interruption to their own importance and busyness. Their passions were set someplace else. The place that they were going, maybe, maybe it was to their home or to their business or to their, their, their place of worship, but their hearts were not moved at all to meet this man's need because their attention was to someone or something else or themselves altogether. They missed the connection that this was the way for this day for them to demonstrate what it looked like for them to love God. They missed it altogether. Now you and I, I, I know I've been in many, many, many situations where I've missed it. You probably have too. But we have to be aware. Every day is an opportunity to demonstrate our love for God. We get so captivated by our own schedules, our own, our own busyness, our own activities, our own desires, our own thoughts, our own needs, our own conditions. We get so captivated, we miss a lot. We can miss a lot. Why? Because our eyes are on me. If I'm going to love God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength, with all of my mind, I'm, to, just to be honest, part of my attention, a good, good chunk of my Actually, my attention, the parts of my attention that are, that are aware of him, that are devoted to him, that are even acknowledging him and my relationship with him, gives me an opportunity to love him. But the rest of the time, if I'm not aware of him, I don't love him. Just being honest. And the same is true for all of us. Hmm. You see, God used a nobody from nowhere to do what no one else would do. Love the least of these in the greatest way as if God were caring for this man himself. He looked at a mess of a man with a heart of compassion and made himself completely available in a vulnerable situation without any reservations. Um... That would look pretty unusual even in today's world, wouldn't it? He performed a ministry of mercy without conditions. He served a stranger sacrificially with no expectations, but a realization that love changes people's lives. We want to see lives changed. We do. And we live in a world where lives need to be changed. And we live in a world where no one is changing those lives. There's plenty of opportunity. There's a lot of room in this field of life change. And it comes down to God. You know, I hear people say, well, if, if something's going to change in this world, God's got to show up. We need revival. We need whatever. We need something. 
God's got to show up. Well, you know what? God will and does show up, but do you know how he does it? Through your flesh and my flesh. He shows up in real people's lives, doing real people things to other real people, with other real people, so that real people are blessed and loved and their lives are changed. He wants to use you and I to do it. He really does. He wants to use us to make a difference in our world, and our world needs us. Our world needs us more now than any other time. There's so much going on in people's lives, in people's hearts, in people's minds, in people's experiences going on in our world today, and they need what you have. And no one can give it but you. And the question is, is, will we? Do we? How will we? What will that look like? Because at the end of the story, Jesus says what? He asks the question, who do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell to the hands of these robbers? And the, and the, the expert of the law says, well, the one who had mercy on him. I mean, that's kind of a Jesus Sunday school answer, isn't it? I mean, it was pretty obvious. And Jesus just flips the table right around on him. He didn't say, yeah, you're right. You got the answer right. Good, good student of the law. He said, no. He said, go and do likewise. If you want to experience the kind of life that you're looking for, if you want to experience the kind of eternal life that you're hoping to experience one day, you just realize this isn't for the day that after you die that you get to experience eternal life. You get to experience eternal life every day that you walk with the Lord. Every day you're walking with him, you're experiencing his life. And it is an eternal life. Because it has eternity all wrapped up in what's coming out of your life. And all of this stuff that we just talked about, I'm not telling you this to try to heap a pile of, of guilt upon you or me or any one of us. Like, that's just way too much. I can't do all of that. <laughs> Anybody feel like that right now? I mean, I did all week. It's like, I can't do all of this. And that, Jesus is saying, that's exactly, that's exactly the point. You can't. But I can. You can't, but, but I can. And when you let me live in you, so that my life is coming out of your flesh, you know what? you will be able to do things you never dreamed possible in ways that you never thought you could and have experiences that you never even dreamed of. And it will change your life and you will experience what it is to live in eternity in today and for every day from hereafter. That's what it is to, to know and to love and to to live with the Lord, to experience him with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength, with all of my mind. That's what it is to love him, is to let him live in me and through me. This isn't a message where we say, well, I just want, you know, I just want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I hear that a lot these days. I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's the wrong answer. Jesus needs to be in your hands and feet. 
That's what it is to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, where his life and love is flowing through all the places you go and all the people you touch and all the conversations that you have. You can't be his hands and feet because his hands and feet are already scarred. But that's the reason he says, pick up your cross daily and follow me so that he can live through me. And when I interact with people on a daily basis in the places I go and the things that I do and the conversations that I have, he shows up, his word shows up, his truth shows up, his love shows up. And it changes things. It changes things. So this morning, how are we going to let God's love show up in you? What do you need to do? What do you need to change in your mind, in your attitude, in your schedule, in your life, so that you can love God more today than you did yesterday? Are you loving him more today than you did yesterday? Is there any degree of difference between your relationship with God today than it was a month ago or six months ago or a year ago? For some, you would say yes, and that's exciting. But for some, you'd say, mm, micro degrees, shall we say? <laughs> but that can change. That can change today. How are you at loving others and letting God live through you to love others? Are, is, is God showing up in your activity, in your words, by, in, in expressions of love to other people more today than it was yesterday or six months ago? It can. But what do you need to do? What do you need to do to let that happen? What do you need to do to, to allow him access to more of your life? The answer is to give yourself to him every day. Give yourself to him every day. Every day as you wake up in the morning, realize this is a day that the Lord has made and it is good and I'm going to walk through it with him. Avail yourself to him throughout your day. Move your thoughts to him. Allow him to, to check your own attitudes. And then adjust yourself to him. Obey him, trust him. You can begin doing that today. Let's pray together. <coughs> Father, Father, we are so grateful that you love us. The depth of your love the magnitude of your love, the, the height and breadth and width of your love is, is over, insurmountable and just overwhelming. When you know us for who, who we are and all that we are and yet you still love us is extraordinary and it changes our lives. But Father, we know that you want to demonstrate that kind of love to the world around us, and you want to use our lives to do that. So, Father, we ask that you'd help us. Help us to trust you more. Help us to obey you. Help us to love you. 
Father, help us to give ourselves to you. Help us to reckon that, that we are no longer ourselves, but we belong to you. And you are a good and loving God who fills us and uses us to make yourself known to the world around us. So that others around us, the world around us, can be changed. Father, we long to see your kingdom come. We long to see your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, thank you that you, in your wisdom and your kindness and your patience and your goodness, you use us to bring that about. Father, help us. Help us to live in the reality, the truth of that. Father, where there are places that we need to give up our own lives, our own control, our own addictions, our own fears, our own things that we hang on to that bring stability and, 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 and structure to our lives, Father, help us know how to trust you with those so that we might see you breaking through the boundaries of what we have established of love so we can love other people, more people that are, you bring across our paths. So Father, please help us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray that you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at thegrovekc.com for more ways to connect with us. And join us again next week for another podcast from The Grove Church. Have a great day. Thank you.